celebration and joy and rejoicing should be the standard for God's people. And so if you're not doing those things, then why is it? Welcome to the Grow Time Business Devo, where we explore biblical principles for living a high performance and a God-honoring life. Today we're in Psalm 65. I've titled this, and I wasn't actually going to do this, Devo. I, I read this this morning and I wasn't planning on sharing it. But as I read it and as I, I started to like note things down, I was like, I need to share this in the Business Devo with our community. And so um, I'm labeling this abundance is the standard for God's people. So let's read. I'm going to start in verse four. Verse four says, blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. By awesome deeds in righteousness, you will answer us, O God of our salvation. You who are the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of the far off seas, who established the mountains by his strength, being clothed with power. You who still the noise of the seas, the noise of their waves and the tumult of the peoples, they also who dwell in the farthest parts are afraid of your signs. You make the outgoings of the morning and the evening rejoice. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. You, the river of God is full of water. You provide their grain for so you have prepared it. You water its ridges abundantly. You settle its furrows. You make it soft with showers. You bless its growth. You crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys are also covered with grain. They shout for joy. They also sing. Um, I've just got a couple things. It's a really simple one today to bring out here, but I just want to start by saying, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've experienced this. It sometimes feels like, especially if you grew up in church, it sometimes feels like, and I think there's a lot of Christians that maybe believe this and even perpetuate it, but it feels like, God's people should be weak. God's people should be poor. Um, God's people should be somber. God's people should be quiet. And maybe God's people should be strict, right? And that comes from, I, I don't know where that comes from exactly. I, I've heard that it comes from the adoption of other religions over the years, but I don't know where that comes from. But what I will say is when you read the Bible, none of that is the case. And so it's interesting to me, like when you think of God, how do you think he talks? How do you think he, he acts? Do you think he's strict? You know, does he have the British voice? Is he fun? Does he celebrate? What's interesting is as you read the Bible, you see pockets of God's correction on people, right? And um, I think that's often what's focused on. But then there's 
so much, it's almost like the standard that God sits at when you really look at the, at the whole story of the Bible, the standard that he sits at is joy, celebration, abundance, creation. The entire universe is based on this idea of creation. And I don't know about you, but I'm assuming, well, you're a creative person, right? Because you're listening to this podcast and you're probably a person who's creating businesses and ideas and has a lot of ambition and those kind of things. Um, maybe you actually do creative things. But for me, uh, over the years, I manage a lot of creative people. I am one myself. And I know that creativity cannot come out of oppression. Creativity can't come out of stress. In order to be creative and be really good at it and successful at it and create something great, you have to be in a state of calm and peace and, and freedom. You have to be in that state of mind. So I know, think back, has there, have you ever had to be creative with something and it's been a stressful situation? What has come out of it? Usually not a very good end product, right? In order to be creative, and if you think about your most creative times, the times when you, when you get ideas, they're not in stressful times, right? You get ideas when you're in times of joy and peace and calm. Maybe for me, there's actually science to back this up, but for me, a lot of ideas come when I'm doing mundane activities, when my mind is not occupied um, by something primarily that I'm working on, but when I have the freedom in the space, like let's say I'm mowing the lawn or doing something else or working out, right? When training, like that's where ideas come, right? Because certain juices are flowing. You're not in a state of stress. You're in a state of action, right? You're in a state of energy. God is the most creative person. Therefore, he must be someone that has a lot of space, a lot of energy, a lot of positivity in a state of abundance. You don't create out of a state of lack. You don't get great ideas in a state of lack. You get great, great ideas in a state of abundance. Just think back to all the great ideas you've had. And what I think is, I think God gets billed as this very strict, very somber person or being. When you pray, you know, oh, it's you again. What are you asking for this time? Okay, sure, sure, sure. I'll give that to you. No, 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 I'm not. Like, that's not God, I don't think. I think that sometimes he gets pictured as that. And I think that's because maybe sad people think about who God is and think of it's a sad God. But as you look throughout the Bible, you see this picture of celebration, joy, abundance, power, creativity, and I think the whole point of today's Devo is that that is, that is actually the default state that God's people should be in. That's good news for you, right? Because it's good news for me. Like, because as I'm acting and working, sometimes there's a, there's a, uh, a pull or maybe a, a feeling that it should be, I shouldn't be having fun doing this. Um, I should be working hard. And I think hard work is important and there is something really great about learning to love the not fun things, but it's still about learning to love them, right? But I think there's this sometimes force 
right? This outside pressure to be really like to not enjoy what you're doing and to be, um, and almost to feel like if you're enjoying it, maybe you're not doing what God wants you to be doing because the stuff that God wants you to be doing um, is hard and strict, right? But that's not the case. And I think the whole point here is the default, the standard for God's people, the standard for God's entrepreneurs, God's business owners, right? God's leaders, the standard is a, is a place of abundance and a place of celebration and joy, a place of creativity. That is the standard, right? And if you're not that, then you, you're probably not living to the fullest. Like you're not living in the gift that God gave you. And so I just think it's funny how you see sad Christians, weak Christians, poor Christians. And I'm not saying that those things are bad. I'm saying they're, they're, they're bad when they're praised as, as being the standard. It's not bad to be poor. I mean, it, it is. It's not good for anyone when you're poor. It's not good for anyone when you're weak. But I think the, the sadistic part of this and the part where actually I think it's a satanic thing that's actually trying to steal your joy. The sadistic part of this is when you feel like that should be the default state of Christians and God's people. It's funny to me how... Yeah, I grew up in, in a church that was um, very somber. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I think a reverence is actually really important. I think, and there's, there's just a balance, right? But it was always funny, like how they'd sing songs about, you know, rejoicing, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, rejoice, you know, and like these, these songs that were like, they, the words don't match the tone, right? It's funny because you, you read about like, David, who was a great king and a man after God's own heart and a great leader and massive ambition and super successful and courageous and brave and strong and all these great qualities, right? And um, I remember that story where he's dancing in the streets, celebrating, and his wife is embarrassed of him. And he actually, he says something to the fact of, I will get even more undignified than this, right? Like, celebration is good, stuffiness, stinginess, and all the other S word problems is not good. That's not the standard for God's people. I just want to pull out a couple things here. So number one, let's talk, look at verse four. Blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you. I think this is a side comment, but I think it's interesting that God draws your mind. He attracts your mind. So uh, it's funny how people say, man, you know, I don't know if I want to choose God. I don't know. Like, I think you might have it wrong. I think, I think he chooses you or he draws you in if you're open to it, right? And that's maybe another subject, but I think it's interesting how it says, blessed, blessed is the men you choose and cause to approach you. It's like this magnetic pull, but you have to be open to it. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house by awesome deeds in righteousness, you will answer us, O God of our salvation. You are the confidence of all the ends of the earth. 
what I think is interesting is like the satisfaction. We talked about this idea of contentment and contentment being like a superpower if you can get to it. It's not complacency. It's not lack. It's not um, losing ambition. It's just not needing anything else. And when you don't need anything else, you're really powerful to actually live the purpose that you're supposed to be called to live. And I see that it talks about him, us being satisfied. We should be satisfied with the goodness of your house, realizing that there is an unlimited amount of the goodness that is in your house when we dwell in it. And we can be satisfied by that. We don't have to, we don't, we're lacking nothing. So we can execute with ultimate power, not worrying about losing something. And then it goes by the awesomeness of your deeds in righteousness, you will answer us. By awesome deeds in righteousness, you will answer us. I think it's so cool that it says awesome deeds. We use the word awesome these days, like in, in way more exaggerated ways. And, and it's kind of lost its bite. But by awesome deeds, like it's like God's going to do really great things in righteousness and you'll like to, to answer us. So, so again, like going back to this, this, this idea that you expect God to not do the awesome things or not to show up in awesome ways. He's an awesome God. He's going to show up in awesome ways if you expect it, right? Not like this strict kind of stuffy person. Uh, you're the confidence of all the ends of the earth. I want to jump down here to verse six, who established the mountains by his strength, being clothed with power. And then I'm going to jump to verse eight. You make the outgoings of the morning and the evening rejoice. The strength of the mountains and the beauties of the mornings or the beauty of the mornings. I, had, I did a Devo titled Mountains and Mornings um, a, few, a few back, which you can go listen to if you're interested. But I just think it's so interesting. You see mountains and mornings show up throughout the Bible all the time. Mountains in great strength, right? And this is talking about that God's even established them. Like, so he's even stronger than the mountains, right? But mountains in great strength, clothed with power, and then this idea of mornings and great beauty, right? You make the outgoings of morning and evening rejoice. That sunrise and sunset is a celebration. It's, it's beautiful and it's creative. So if you're wondering if you have a creative God, you watch, if you watch a sunrise or a sunset, it's funny to me how you don't have to be a spiritual person to be drawn to the idea of a sunrise or a sunset. It's like a powerful cultural thing. Like people want to see it. People want to observe it because it's beautiful, right? So every single day, God's creativity is on display with the sunrise and the sunset. And it's, it's a rejoice, it's a rejoicing time. I want to get into his provision here, right? So this is really interesting to me when you go into verse nine, all the way really through the end, right? So you visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain. You water its ridges abundantly. You settle its furrows. You make it soft with showers. You bless its growth. You crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness. 
and the little hills rejoice on every side. Okay, there's a lot going on here. I'm not gonna go through every verse, but there's these kind of like specific words that are used here. I think that's that's really powerful. And again, it it goes against this idea that God is a God of lack and God, God is a God of weakness. Again, maybe I didn't finish that thought, by the way, which I want to just go back to is when when you when you like thinking of God as someone who wants you to be weak, that is, that is, I think perpetuated by maybe uh some of God's people, I'm just guessing, that don't want to actually go through the hard troubles to actually be strong or don't know how to manage uh, resources and wealth and, 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 and God's abundance or, or maybe have this desire to be disappointed, which is actually very common in our culture. Like the, the, the self-deprecating, cynic, cynical side of our culture, it's, it's, it's pretty common, right? Um, it's dangerous. And so I think that's where that comes from. But in the Bible, that's clearly not the case. And so there's these, these, these words that are used, right? You visit the earth and water it. Um, you greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. That means like completely full. Like it's not like he's got a little bit for you. Oh, it's, it's almost done. So don't take too much. It's, it's completely full of water, right? It's completely full of abundance. You provide their grain, right? They don't provide it for themselves. You've prepared it. You water the ridges abundantly. Not just enough for what you need, but abundantly, like to where you don't need any more, right? There's no, there's no lack at all. Like you water it abundantly. That's very different than the way many people live and think of God. You bless its growth. The, the word growth is um, one of my favorite words. It's actually on my license plates. Um, it's a powerful word. Um, it's become something of a life theme for me because I think it's hard, but it's fulfilling. I think it's required, right? Like, you know, if, and, and actually, if you think, if, if you learn about leadership at all, you learn that when you're leading people, they need to be growing. They don't, it's not even that they consciously necessarily consciously want it. But if people are not growing, they, they, they tend to lose fulfillment, lose their motivation, and, and they don't know why. But when we don't grow, you may not be aware of it, but when you're not growing, that's when things start to feel like a chore. That's when things start to feel not fun, unfulfilling. Um, like you're not living your mission because human beings are meant to grow right? A tree and any living thing is meant to grow. If it's not growing, it's, it has, actually is dying. So it's like a kind of a cultural cliche, like if you're not growing, you're dying. But the truth is in nature, that actually is the case. And that word growth is interesting. It's powerful. There's a lot of energy to it. And I think it's our duty. And we see here that you bless its growth. Like what if the pursuit was part of getting the blessing from God, right? You have to take that action in order to get some of that blessing or get that blessing. And when you do, kind of is a perpetual virtuous cycle, right? 
Um, I'll just, a couple more words. You crown the year with your goodness. That's a powerful statement the entire year. A crown is a beautiful, powerful, expensive thing, right? You crown the year with your goodness. I love these verses right here. Your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures, pastures of the wilderness. You have so much abundance that it drips off of you. And it's this uh, visual picture that he's painting here and David's writing this, which is like, there's so much overflow that it's dripping off and it's dropping on the pastures in the wilderness, okay? Not the pastures you know, in the rainforest, but the pastures in the wilderness. The pastures in the wilderness are the pastures that um, are not meant to succeed. They're not meant to, in human form, um, in, our, in our minds, they're not, they're not likely to, to last and survive. They're not likely to grow. They're not likely to get watered. They don't know where they are. They're dry, they're desolate, they're maybe lost. And I think that's a metaphor for, for people too. Like the wilderness is a dry, desolate place where you may be lost. Cool thing is, is God's abundance overflows so much that it overflows onto people and pastures into in the wilderness, in the places that are not expected to have abundance. And I'll just kind of end on this point of uh, celebration. And then I just want to say one last thing. Um, celebration is another one of those things, right? So when you picture that stuffy person, right? You know, um, speaking words like rejoice in songs, like, like I say speaking, cause they're not really singing, um, speaking those words and um, just stating them with no energy. They're supposed to be happy, but someone didn't tell their face about it. That kind of idea or stinginess, here's a better one, like stinginess, like someone who is not, or that, that not uh, someone, but that spirit of, of lack of generosity, that spirit of stinginess, right? How many times here, has rejoice been mentioned? You, you make the outgoings of the morning and evening rejoice. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness and the little hills rejoice on every side. Last verse, they shout for joy. They also sing. And it's probably other places in here as well. But those are three places just in this passage. You see that idea of celebration all over. I'm not going to get into the, the kind of desire and power that I believe that God has for you to celebrate. And this is something I need, someone, something I need because I grew up, and I, I have this, uh, not even just I grew up, like I have, my personality is one of like, I like to accomplish and like continue on. Cool. Let's not waste time like celebrating it. Let's continue going. Like that's generally my, my makeup. Um, I'm not someone who naturally celebrates things. I guess there's something about me that even feels like that can slow you down. Maybe that feels like you as well. I've met a lot of leaders and entrepreneurs that, that have that feeling, right? That stopping and celebrating or celebrating things that didn't meet the mark are almost like, you know, celebrating second place. And say, celebrating second place is never, never fun, right? Like it's almost like, yeah, it's the, it's the consolation prize. 
Um, I think that maybe happens to us. I know it happens to me. It's clear that celebration, rejoicing is the standard for God's people. And I don't think it has to be a consolation prize. I don't think it has to be celebrating a loss like or spinning it in a weird way. But I do think, because it says it, that celebration and joy and rejoicing should be the standard for God's people. And so if you're not doing those things, then why is it? Has cynicism crept into your, into your being, into your mind? Has it polluted your, your thoughts? Has doubt crept in? Have you believed a lie that happiness and joy and rejoicing and celebration or maybe um, a waste of time or seen as weak or maybe that God's people, you know, don't do those kind of things because God's a serious God, right? I think that's obviously not true. But if those things crept into your mind, I think some of them for me had, it's a practice that you have to instill to be joyful, to claim joy and to celebrate things. Like it's so, it's so much so that God created a, like put celebration rituals into the calendar for his people, right? He, he put, as you look at the different festivals and celebrations and they're real celebrations, right? He put them into the calendar for his people because he knows like that the truth is if you have no joy in your life and you don't enjoy what you're doing and you don't celebrate things and rejoice in the goodness that has been created for you that you have, no matter what your circumstances are, if you don't do those things, if you don't have that joy, then you will hate your life no matter what. Like you won't value it at all. You won't enjoy it at all. And I was thinking yesterday, this idea of like, God's given you gifts and talents. Not only that, so your gifts are like the talents that you have, right? Um, He's given you resources as a gift. The Bible says they're a gift for your enjoyment. He's given resources for you to steward and manage and also enjoy. And he's given you your life, right? Every day is a gift from God. So he's gifted you these things, talents, resources, and time, your life. And I was thinking to myself the other day, like when you give a gift to somebody, like let's say like, you know, for, for over here, like I don't know when this will be released. Probably it, Christmas is probably over by the time this gets released. But right now, as I'm recording this, Christmas is kind of, uh, Christmas is coming. Uh, I'm thinking about the gifts that I might be, that we're, you know, me and my wife were, were maybe trying to find out uh, what gifts to get our kids, right? That, you, that they'll really, they'll really enjoy. And when you give a gift to somebody, especially a big gift, right? God gave you the gift of life, okay? And everything else that you own. When you give a gift to somebody, especially a big gift, do you want that person to enjoy it? Do you want them to be happy and excited about it and like literally celebrate it? Or um, what happens when you give a gift and they're like, oh, thanks. Uh, Or "Mm, I don't really like that, you know, and they don't say thanks. Or, yeah, I mean, I've given gifts to people where that kind of thing has happened. And you're like, 
it, it's a it's a disappointing situation for for you, right? The gift giver, especially if it's a big gift, right? And I've also seen, um, I've been able to have the opportunity to to be involved in giving someone something that changed their life, um, which is honestly a, like a big joy like a big part of having joy in your life when you can actually contribute and be generous. Um, it's almost addictive in how, in how fun and good that is, right? But God gave you these things. He gave you life. And I was thinking to myself to the day, I'm like, if someone, like if you were on your deathbed and you had some terminal disease and someone came to you and said, hi, hey, I invented this thing, take this and you're, you're, you're brand new. You're, you're totally good. You take it and you thought you were going to die that day and you end up living, you know, whatever, another 20 years. Like how ecstatic would you be? God gave you everything, you know, as a gift, your talents, your resources, and your time. Your days are gifts. God celebrates, it says, beginning and the end of every day, right? the outgoings of the morning and evening. We should be celebrating those gifts, right? Every single day, we should have joy just for having them. And um, I say should, really, the, 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 it comes down to the execution of actually doing it. But, let, but think about your God, right? Like you give someone life and they're sad. And they're, and, uh, and they're not happy and they're not thankful. Like, how do you feel? I believe, because we're made in the image of God, I believe God created all these things and man somewhat to fulfill a satisfaction so that, they, that they would thank him back. Just the way you feel when you give someone a gift. Like you, part of the reason you give it is like, to be honest with you, you're a little selfish, right? Part of the reason you give it is you want to, see the reaction and enjoy that reaction. Part of the reason I give my kids gifts, I'm being really honest, like is to see their reaction and their joy accepting that thing, right? It's, it's enjoyable to the giver. And so if we're not rejoicing, we don't have joy in our life, it's gotta be a disappointing experience for God. And if we believe that God doesn't want us to have a joy in our life, well, the truth is, if you think about it like this, that is the number one thing he wants from the gift that he's given you, right? Gratefulness and joy and rejoicing and celebration. And so we really have to make those things practices. Like we really have to, because what it comes down to is practically finding times to celebrate things, finding times to enjoy things, learning to enjoy the difficult things, which actually becomes fun once you do it, and which is really crazy sounding. When you can enjoy the difficult things, it makes winning a byproduct. I've talked about that. It's the process of winning, but that's the power that's the power in it. Look, I hope this is helpful for you. I hope this helps you live a more abundant life. I hope you realize that the standard for God's people is abundance. And just so you know, in order, in order to be successful at what you're planning on doing, what you're trying to do, building a business, building an organization, leading people, um, changing your, your wealth situation, changing the trajectory of your, your, your generational uh, history and your family, whatever you're trying to do, right? It's going to be required for you to believe that 
God is a God of abundance, not a God of scarcity in order to accomplish those things. Cool thing is when you can tap into that, like there's tons of power in that. And also believing that God is a God of joy and celebration, not a God of sadness and stuffiness and stinginess. That, that's really good news, right? It means that you've got a, uh, a blank check and God wants you to enjoy it. So I think you have to live it to its fullest in the mission that God has called you to, which takes some wisdom and, and, and seeking. So I hope this is helpful for you. I hope it helps you live a more abundant, more ambitious, more inspired and successful life. For more info about the Business Devo, you can go to bizdevo.com. That's B-I-Z-D-E-V-O.com. Go ahead and sign up. You can get them in your inbox or text it to you um, at any time. And then if you'd like to learn more about me, Kenneth Ott, you can go to kenott.com. That's K-E-N-O-T-T.com. Thanks. And until next time, never stop growing. 